0: you're going to be on the other side of that sometime you know so getting the fraudsters off the network and out of our system benefits everybody
1: hello and welcome to another episode of fi today the podcast where we talk about all things banks credit unions payments and more i'm your host kevin kevin miyamoto blah kevin miyamoto co-founder and COO of Identify, also known as Moto.
0: Hello, Moto.
1: And we have um, Jordan Bennett today from Nacha talking about credit push fraud. It's going to be a fascinating podcast. Uh, Jordan, what's yeah. going on,
0: man? How you doing? Doing well, doing well. It's the end of the summer. Had some good uh, vacations, ready to move into the fall. Kids sports are coming up. You know, it's... Uh, a lot of stuff going on with Nacha. It's 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 a good time to be alive, right? Oh, okay, so what do you so is this the year I know
1: you're a Georgia University of Georgia alum? Is this the year where they three-peat?
0: I hope so. What are your thoughts? <clears throat> oh, I, I hope so. I enjoy watching it. Um I, I've enjoyed I've always been a uh, Georgia fan. My grandfather went there. Many of my aunts and uncles and my parents went there. So I met my wife there. So we are very excited to watch. I'd say you're pretty pretty connected then. Pretty yeah, we enjoy we enjoy. It's, yeah. it, it was fun to see them go two in a row. Let's see if we make it three.
1: Yeah yeah, I uh, I know I have this Ohio State mug behind me, but I moved my eldest son into Penn State earlier this week, so I might be. Oh, my wife's awesome. a Buckeye though, so I might have to do some swapping of uh, college sports. But yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. I love college football. It'll be it should be a good year.
0: Well, it's a blast, isn't it? Every yeah. Saturday, I enjoy just watching different games. Seeing, uh, seeing who's playing what, and uh, just seeing how the conferences go.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, anywho, payments. Uh, Let's <laughs> <we'll> talk <laughs> yeah, about credit that, push right? fraud. But before we before we jump into credit push fraud, uh, I'd love for you just to spend a couple minutes just giving uh, the viewers your background and uh, some of the things that you're up to at Nacho these days.
0: Sure. So my name is Jordan Bennett. I. Uh, uh, Went to college at UGA in the business school there. And uh, when I got out, I started selling toilets as uh, my, my first job. The, no relation. you said you're selling toilets? Yeah, I got out of college and, and went immediately to uh, selling toilets. And uh, that didn't last very long. I got at that. Moved into banking. <laughs> and uh, yeah. <laughs> well wow, Talk about a leap from toilets to banking. You um... Toilets to banking, yeah. yeah. I, I would
1: probably, I would go on a limb and say probably smart life decision, Um
0: yeah, went Considering from, where uh, you are now, yeah. American Standard Toilets to uh you know, getting into mortgages and then and then into risk management. And you know, it's been really fun. I've been in risk management for about 20 years now. I got into uh ACH uh, fairly early. It was 2005 when I started at the Federal Reserve working in ACH operations there and I was on a team called Special Projects and Right at that time, it was really interesting. That's when NACHA came out with their first risk management framework, and that one was focused on debit frauds. And I got to do a a lot of analyzing where the return rates were, and um, it was all kind of by accident. I just was at the right place at the right time and really started uh, diving in and hard on learning about third parties, learning... uh, which uh, originators were, were too high and just, you know, trying to figure out how to re- remove risk from the network. The the network has been really good uh, about self-policing and self-governing. You know, we've um, those first risk management frameworks on debit fraud really reduced the risk in the network. There was a growing concern with debit frauds and uh, that's when that uh, return rate rule came out. That's when third-party senders were formally identified in the network. That's when different rules went in to make sure that banks were managing their third-party senders and their originators appropriately. So all that happened, and the, the return rates there have dropped dramatically, and they've stayed mm-hmm. And it, when we were doing our recent study on, on risk in the network— we heard back from the financial institutions and from the third-party senders and the originators that, you know, debit fraud is not going away, but we have the tools in place to manage it. You know, and that's really what it's about. Having the tools in place to manage those uh, return rates, to manage that fraud, and, and and do our best to keep it out of the system. So what does debit fraud do or what, is, what, what do fraudsters do, Kevin, when uh, when you get rid of fraud somewhere? They find another place. They find another place. That's right. And they have found credit push fraud. You know, they found checks, too. So mm-hmm. if you're listening to this podcast and you're still writing checks, please don't. You know, that <laughs> uh, that's where all the fraud is moved to because it's easy. Right. Uh, but the fraudsters have also moved to credit push fraud. And, uh, you know, I don't know, Kevin, your your listeners hopefully are familiar with it. But let's go into a little bit of that if it's OK.
1: Yeah, credit I mean, fraud. to be honest, I, for me, um, I would like to just learn more about it. So when you say, um, let's talk about, you know, debit fraud. I know you said right now we have a better handle of it, but let's talk about what that is. Sure. And then let's jump into credit push fraud and why that's kind of new and emerging and why we should be concerned about it.
0: Sure. So debit fraud, you know, it, it, it's where the fraudster gets your routing and account number and they debit your account. We have the unauthorized returns to, to help you get your money back when that happens. Hopefully, it doesn't happen, but uh, there are ways and, and recourse for if your account is debited without your authorization. In this scenario, the fraudster is hiding at that ODFI. They are the originator and they are debiting your account. You know, sometimes it's not even them stealing your account. But it's instances where they won't stop debiting you. Maybe you signed up for a product you don't want, and they just refuse to to stop debiting you. That's that's still wrong. If you tell them not to use my ACH account, you have to stop. They have to stop. And so, originators and banks have really figured that out. They they're really good at stopping those debit originations when. They're not supposed to be and they're good at catching those debit originators who sneak in and start using perhaps stolen routing and, tr- and account numbers to debit you mm-hmm. and realizing when that's happening and just getting them off the network
1: yeah and i th- when you were saying that i i thought of i have a, a couple apps where it'll tell me when there's a large debit transaction or it'll say hey hey kevin we've noticed that this vendor is still charging you a month, do you want to continue their subscription service? So I'm, yeah, to your your point, there's definitely things out there to help
0: with that. Oh, the tools are in place, right? And credit fraud is, is, credit push fraud is different. This is where the fraudster is hiding at that RDFI and they are convincing you as the originator to send the money. And there's lots of different scams. There is uh, one that we're seeing uh, recently uh, hit is vendor impersonation fraud. And this happened in a town where I used to live. They were, I hit very recently and made the news in Atlanta for almost a million dollars, where uh, I don't have the full details, it's not all out yet, but it looks like a vendor uh, or somebody pretending to be a vendor either changed the routing and account number for which they're getting paid or created fake invoices. Either one are vendor impersonation fraud. And the city then Push that money out uh, to that receiving financial institution, and the the unique thing about credit push fraud is the the fraudster doesn't care how you get those get that money. If you wire it to them, if you send an ACH, even if you do a check, it doesn't matter. They they are ambivalent to how they're receiving those those funds. So uh, we need to help educate municipalities, financial institutions. You know, education really is key. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mm-hmm. in, well, in a, Jordan, I want I want to,
1: I want to sorry and start to cut you off there. Yeah, I want yeah, to ahead. go back to that. When you say that the type of payment doesn't matter in that case, yeah, what what do you um, like? I know what you're saying, obviously, but why why does it not matter?
0: Well, if uh, many times in in vendor impersonation fraud, the or excuse me in credit push fraud, the fraudster is just trying to get you to push them a payment. Okay, you so let's say that
1: you, I'm the bad guy. Yeah. And you are the good guy (laughs) and you're uh, I convince you to send me money and impersonate a vendor that you're doing work with today. But I provide you with fake with my account information.
0: Yeah. So in this situation, Mm -hmm. there is a real vendor. Right. Let's say I'm a municipality and. All of my contracts are, are public record. So Kevin is the fraudster has realized that I have a million dollar contract to pay a real vendor. He then calls up the clerk at the at the the county or the city, whatever it is, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. says, hey, you know, this is me, real vendor, and I have changed my routing and account number. If that city doesn't have proper controls in place, which a very simple one is to use a a, a phone number that's on file, right? Don't call the guy back on the number he just called you to verify that the account's real. But if there are not proper controls in place and that that city clerk changes the routing and account number, Kevin just waits until an invoice comes in. And the bottom of an invoice always says uh, you can pay by whatever method you want. And, you know, Kevin's already changed the routing and account number to his fraudulent routing and account number. So they will take it if you wire it to them. They will take it if you send an ACA to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They will take it, you know, and they're just the, at that point, Kevin, the fraudster is just sitting there waiting, right? As he's, he's probably got an alert set up that you've been paid. And as soon as that happens, he's going to take that money and, and potentially send it out of the country.
1: Mm, I see. So then I take the money, send it out. And because it's clear to my account, I've sent it out. There's nothing that the originator could do because the money's already gone. It's, it's, well, that's not a hundred percent true. Okay.
0: Right. So the faster, and we know this with any type of fraud, the faster you respond as a fraud victim, the more likely you are to get that money back. So uh, what do I mean by that? So mm-hmm. there are ways, you know, if, if ODFI should know how to communicate to the to the RDFI. We have a tool, it's the uh, risk management portal. And then within that, there's the contact registry. And so any ODFI can reach out to any RDFI and vice versa. All the contact information is in there. That is a rule. another good example of self-governance. But knowing what to do and how to respond as uh, the RDFI in this case it is very important. Know what uh, your responsibilities are for protecting your customer. Mm-hmm. Also, if you've got a fraudster, you know, if, if you are housing the receipt of that transaction as the RDFI, it means one of three things, right? It means, A, you've allowed a fraudster into your bank. Mm -hmm. Not good. Two, it means that you have allowed a knowing or unknowing money mule into your bank. Not good. Also
1: not good, yeah. Because that
0: person is a victim as well, right? Mm -hmm. And, And they may not know it, but they're causing financial distress, potentially for them and for this other company. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to, you don't want to mule in there either. Mm-hmm. Or three, you've got an account takeover situation. That person may not even know that their account is being used to receive that money. And then the account, the fraudster is going to take that account and send it out. So none of those situations are good if you're the RDFI. So mm-hmm. there are loopholes, or I don't know if a loophole is right, but carve outs for when there's fraud at a financial institution. So it's mm-hmm. important for a financial institution to research those mm-hmm. and to know when and when they can't share customer information. So Look at the other side.
1: Yeah. Th- well, th- And this is going to be a dumb question. I, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> but like, let, let, so as the, as the, uh, in that situation, then, as the RDFI, that means that I've let Kevin, the fraudster, open up an account. Let's say I've opened up an account there right sure uh, so i'm i can receive funds and then you know the odfi like you at your odfi send me money send me a million dollars because they think i'm the right vendor even though i'm not right mm-hmm. um in, in that case what what happens like who's technically liable there because like from the odfi standpoint they're just performing the payment as instructed by their customer right Sure. Uh, like, so, so, what,
0: so what happens there? The yeah. warranties are on the ODFI. Yeah, okay, and that's okay. not, there's no expectation for that to change. But each ODFI is also an RDFI. And in most cases, the RDFI is also the ODFI, right? You don't mm-hmm. have to be an ODFI on the ACH network. But we should, all of us, want to get this fraud off the network. Oh, yeah. If there are red flags that are out there, you know, why not Why not notice them and and help out? The the tools are available. You know, there are instances where, you know, if a customer has never received, let's say Kevin has had this, Kevin the Fraudster has had this account open for a long time and they've never received a million-dollar transaction. He's a he's a consumer. Why would he all of a sudden receive a corporate SEC code for a million dollars? Into his account, mm-hmm. there, you know that that should be something that the RDFI can say. Hold on, this, this looks a little funny, and maybe, maybe, maybe you just received an inheritance. Maybe you sold a piece of property. There are reasons that you could receive a million dollars. Unfortunately, none for me, but you <laughs> know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, there could be a reason you could get a million dollars, and then the bank should clarify that, right? Yeah, oh, this is legitimate. And think about it when the bank is looking out for you as a consumer on those unusual transactions oh i'm pumped i'm like thank you right thanks dude you know, you know thanks for calling me uh they're they're never going to be upset if uh, if they're not a fraudster uh, i mean people people get upset for a lot of reasons but for the most case right uh they're going to be happy yeah. that the bank called them and said is this legit and if they're a money mule this is an opportunity to say hey do you realize what you are doing do you have any idea and you can help get those mules out of the network and help mm-hmm. those people from, well, and, and this is where, this is time, a, right?
1: for me. Yeah. Yeah. And this is for me, just a great example of how there's so there's technology, like, of course, identity does this too. Right. But there's a lot of other technology providers that if you're looking to, you know, visualize core data, find, um, uh, points in the data where it just is a one-off, right. Or an outlier and then alert or notify a specific user. There's tons of softwares out there that do it There's and in, of... in that example. Yeah. That would have, that would have, you know, solved that. That would have, um, protected that, um, that ODFI or the, sorry, the RDFI in that case, because they would have seen, Hey, this is an outlier, um kevin is a personal account he should not have received a million dollars let's follow up and see what's going on here Um,
0: or even in the case of uh let's take payroll impersonation fraud hmm. where a fraudster convinces either the hr to company to change an account they log into the employee employees uh software and change their routing and account number there's lots of different ways that uh, have you been
1: hearing a lot of that lately
0: we 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 have oh Uh,
1: that's all so, yeah. on. so that someone logs in, like, let's say with me at Identify, someone logs in under me as Identify and changes my payroll information. And then when normal payroll gets sent out, it gets sent to the fraudsters account.
0: Right. And that is, that's not Kevin's fault, right? No a fraudster, a fraudster did this. And uh, especially if they call in and impersonate you to HR and HR just takes those payment instructions over the phone, right? That is totally not Kevin's fault. Wow. But if, you know, Jordan Bennett receives a paycheck for uh, Kevin Miyamoto and, you know, my direct deposit as well as the direct deposit for six other people. Is that not a red flag as well? You yeah. Know, why are we getting all of these direct deposits for people with different names? You know, mm. there's no name matching requirement in ACH, and, and I doubt there ever will be.
1: Mm-hmm. But,
0: you know, it's something that, that you can use. It's a tool. You know, if you see Flags like this, you can you can look into this when you think this is an unusual pattern. This is not something that's typical for this account. Mm-hmm. Why is it happening? And then as the RDFI, you know, you've got those tools and and can help. And you're going to be on the other side of that sometime, you know. So getting the fraudsters off the network and out of our system benefits everybody, even if you are not directly liable as the RDFI and you you didn't want those transactions. What's so
1: scary to me is that in that example with payroll fraud it has nothing to do with banking or even payments like they're logging into an hr system
0: you know i think that is a awesome point kevin like that's scary because there's so
1: many other systems out there that are really like they touch banking but they don't really they're not really part of it Mm -hmm. but it has payment fraud or banking you know fraud attached to it and
0: almost none of these credit push scenarios Deal with deal with technology. Almost all of it is is the frauds you are calling in in social engineering, or mm-hmm. there you know business email compromises. Another social engineering mm-hmm. credit push scenario, right? So all of these are social engineering. It's it's not about you know a hacker getting in and, and stealing your data or and pushing payments out. In most cases, you know we do have account takeover fraud. That is, that is a thing, and it, it does happen as well. But it's almost all through social engineering. Mm-hmm. And that's how this type of, of payment fraud happens. And that's why education yeah. is so important. People knowing the scenarios where they're going to be attacked and people knowing how to prevent it.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it
0: mm-hmm. In a city that, that sends out those payments and vendor impersonation, simple policies and procedures in almost all cases and following those yep. policies and procedures yeah right? well even we like it for a friend yep we follow policy and procedure that protects the money
1: we well, even yeah something as simple as dual control right in that scenario if i'm a vendor and i call in it's you know hey listen vendor a wants to change let me look at the phone number and contact information on file i'll call that you know and then ver- verifying having a manager or someone else approve that transaction, right? Making sure that the right steps have been followed. Um, Yeah. To me, this is more of a, a a broken process at the corporate level when they're, you know, updating their vendor records to make that payment more than anything else. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And that's why it's so
1: hard too, because the payment from the art ODFI standpoint, that's a good payment. Like they're doing their job, you know?
0: Yeah. that, That originator told you to push it out yeah you know you're following the payment instructions you know there are some some things that the odfi can do you know in these scenarios if they have a whole bunch of you know let, let's say hr gets hacked or, or gets convinced to send out a a lot of change requests well maybe that's not normal maybe the odfi should say you know normally we have one change request every two months and you are sending me 17 you know virtually all your employees are changed yep is that right? You know, and you can can do some things like that. They can do pattern recognition as well. Yeah. You know, they can say all of your vendors all of a sudden changed. But, you know, for the one-off, that's going to be a tough catch. That's going to potentially be easier to catch at the RDFI.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, again, it's education. Mm-hmm. Education on what to look for, these patterns, and knowing that credit push fraud is where the fraudsters have moved. And so the originators or the ODFI is educating their originators, educating these cities, these corporates, and even individuals. There are some individual credit push scams, too, uh, that our consumer base should be aware of. So uh, education and knowing how to protect yourself is vital for, for stopping this type of fraud. Yep, yep. And so
1: and so Jordan, as we wrap up, I think you're gonna I think you're probably gonna say education, but what is it that the RDFIs and ODFIs can do to help, especially with credit push fraud? I mean, you mentioned education. Um, is there anything else that they could really kind of hone in on?
0: Well that RDFI having having uh you know, taking some action and instead of just being a passive receiver. You know, looking and helping, knowing that they're also going to be the ODFI at some point, right? Mm -hmm. You know, having everybody, everybody participating in fraud defense. You know, working together is how the ACH network stays safe. We are self-governing. We've done a really good job of, of keeping fraud off the network. And it takes every single participant knowing what's happening and how to prevent it. We continue to be the, you know, a leader in uh, keeping, you know, fraud off the network. That's why we're so trusted and why the ACH network has, continues to grow so fast, even after 50 years. This network is is 50 years old and we continue to grow uh, by high single digits every year. So mm-hmm. we're, we're looking to keep keep that going. And to do that, we have to remain trusted.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it well, hey, day. Jordan, thank you so much. Um, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do so?
0: Jay Bennett at Notch.org. Yeah, reach out. Let's talk fraud. talk anti-fraud. Let's talk keeping anti-fraud. Fraud. There, there yeah, not you go. Well, hey, fraud. Jordan,
1: thank you so much for spending the time uh, with me this morning. I really appreciate it. Um, and of course, your your wisdom. It's you're so knowledgeable. I mean, this is this is really good stuff. So hopefully, the RDFIs and the ODFIs out there listening can can really take a lot from this. Um, And for those of you listening at home, we'll see you on the next one.